Hello, Shannon. Nice to see you. How you doing? Good. How are you, Joanna? I'm good. Uh, a lot of interviews these past few days, <laughs> but it has to be a lot of recordings and new projects. But I've met quite a lot of interesting people so far, so I cannot complain about that. That's the amazing part about this project is meeting a lot of people, a lot of interesting people. So yeah, and that's it. My my studio practice is a bit still right now because I had to take everything out of my studio. I wasn't prepared for that because they are doing renovations. Like they were doing renovations near the studio, not uh, on the studio, inside the studio. So I had all my work still there. But now they did have to start the renovations inside and I had to take everything out. So I, I sent a lot of stuff everywhere because I wasn't, I wasn't aware that I had so many things in the studio. If that makes sense, I don't know if it's the same thing with you, but I had everything in boxes and very tidy. But when I took everything out, I thought, wow, I do have a lot of things. Where am I going to put this? So my studio practice is like that right now. <laughs> Yeah, I noticed, I don't know, it seems the walls have sacred pockets because whenever you get settled in a place, you just don't realize how much stuff you accumulate until you have to move. So now when I travel, I try to be really cognizant of what I'm accumulating. Yeah, I know you have been on a museum tour or museum day, so can you tell us something about that? <laughs> well, it's actually very embarrassing because I typed in the acronym for the museum and I ended yeah. up at a, at a spa. <laughs> what? <laughs> so like I, I didn't make it to the museum because I ended up at a spa. And well, I'm not going to go to the spa. So I just Google mapped what was around me and I ended up going to the zoo. So that was, I'm sorry we rescheduled for me to get lost. <laughs> yeah, I just, I was actually, I'm surprised I didn't get lost before. I've been here like two months and that's pretty good for two months. I've only gotten lost once. So hopefully I'll make it again because it looks like a really exceptional gallery. It's called GFCK Museum, I think, in Leipzig. They have a couple locations, I think. And it's like really new and modern stuff. And I follow their Instagram and it just looks, they're always posting stories and it looks like it's very active. So definitely worth checking out just get the right right location <laughs> on your map <laughs> i actually took like a, a nice boat ride in the zoo, <laughs> the zoo. i was like well, i don't like i'm obviously new to language but i'm like okay there's a line here and i don't know what it's for <laughs> so i was kind of like hovering around the line I'm like, what is this for and then i like noticed a boat like ride up i'm like oh i love boat rides so I, that's what i did <laughs> So you, in the last couple of days, you have been drawing quite a lot of animals. Does that have anything to do with it or just a coincidence? Oh, I'm always inspired by animals and nature. So it's it was definitely on my to-do list anyway while I was here. So I was glad I made it. And also, if you make it after 4 p.m., it's like 8 euro cheaper. So it was actually like right at 4.05 that I showed up. So that was cool. But yeah, there's like a lot of animals in my work. I've been doing this series called The Rose Gatherers. And it's it's about, I don't know, it's, it's kind of hard for people to understand maybe because it's like a, a ultra running, so a little bit of an underground world. But there's this thing called a sweeper. 
and the sweeper is a person who volunteers their time to collect people that aren't going to make it or they're okay. like barely making the cutoffs in ultra marathons. So it's usually like people that have been out there all day and like they're the slowest ones out there. And I kind of was thinking about how important these people are that they literally wait all day just for the last people to show up. So they're very patient, caring people, these sweepers. So I kind of envisioned them as like collecting flowers, like, like the runners were kind of like these wilting flowers, like on their last petals. So the sweepers are the rose gatherers. They kind of collect the flowers to make it to the finish, or that's kind of what I've been working on. Yeah, I've noticed that in some of the, the quite a long ago, but the competitions I did of running, there is someone always there waiting <laughs> for you. And I think that's nice that someone is there waiting, if, even if you take a long time to, to arrive. Yeah, it's just these people are out there all day. It's like thankless job, you know, like it's just out of pure, com not compassion, but just, I guess, love of the sport and love of community. Yeah. So it's, it's cool. They're really important people. And about your residency, how is it going? Pretty good. I'm already, like I said, two months in, so I only have like a month left. I don't know if I mentioned before, but I was going to stay longer, but the the resident visa was only for Berlin residents. Like they, they only do it for Berlin, and I'm in Leipzig, so I'll be here three months. So it's coming to a close, actually. It's only like a month left. So I'm trying to like think of all the things I want to do before I leave. I signed up for a couple of shows, which I'm really excited about. Their theater is really good here, like really cool. <laughs> it's like a little, I went to a concert, like a live orchestra I'd never been before, but it was, I'm like an old lady, so I like to do things early. And so it was actually for like family time. <laughs> so like in the middle, in the, I was like, wow, there's like a lot of little kids on bumper chairs. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I love that. People are like you know, giving their kids culture. But yeah, I was like, why is there so many kids here? And then there's, when it started, I heard this microphone turn on and a guy speaking. And I was not expecting it because it's orchestra. And this guy in like a safari outfit, like comes down the aisle. Like, I don't, I don't know what he was saying because it was in German. <laughs> But he's just like asking people questions. I'm like, oh, please don't call on me. I can't speak. I can't speak. <laughs> I was just like ducking my head. And then he like went up to ask the, the conductor a question. He's like, I can't speak. I'm finished. <laughs> so I was like, why didn't you guys rehearse this? And then there's like air. He was like flying airplane, paper airplanes during. It was it was an interesting experience, um, <laughs> but very worth it. I thought it was fun. Anyway, too much about me. <laughs> no, just a note there. I love to go to the theater too. And when I know it's a bit like in, interactive theater, <laughs> I'm, yeah, always, that's a good word. Yeah. I'm always so afraid that they're going to pick me. I'm like, oh, please no. <laughs> oh, I was, yeah, I was like so terrified. I'm like, oh, just look away. <laughs> so Shannon, do you want to start diving on the episode? If you haven't noticed, here is Joana Larcão and Shannon Castor. <laughs> <laughs> we always forget this uh, particularities. Yeah. <laughs> Who are we? <laughs> so for today's, we have 
a special episode lineup for you guys. So we are exploring the captivating and thought-provoking work of Marie Yat. Uh, what? Uh, I think. What? What? An indigenous <laughs> artist and a member of the Seneca Nation of Indians who has been pushing the boundaries of art, storytelling, and community engagement. So her work is a testament to the power of creativity in bridging cultures and communities. So in this episode, we are going to explore the stories she weaves, the material she uses, and the impact she has on the art world. So Shannon, you were the one who shows her. So you want to start by just telling us why you connect with her? Yeah, I think I actually saw her work first at the Denver Art Museum, and then it was the Ithaca region for a race, actually, and I went to the, it's called the Herbert F. Johnson Museum of Art, um, and I saw her work there, and I really connected with it, and we're always viewing art online, but it's really great when you, like, see it in person, and yeah. I think it gives it a little bit more depth for your memory and and how it impacts you. So yeah, I, I was just, I like what she does and I, I wanted to kind of dive more in depth of who she was as an artist. Do you want me to read her bio or maybe we could start with her art? Or Yeah, because I think we can leave her bio in the show notes. Yeah. So Shannon, do you want, because she has a very long career and we have a lot of information <laughs> to tell you yeah. guys. So we're going to start with one of her works. So uh, Shannon... You can go. Yeah, she's a really prolific printmaker, but I, I kind of wanted to focus on her blanket series. She calls them the blanket stories because here she says blankets tell stories about humble everyday materials. They carry intimate meanings and memories. She uses blankets, quilts, corn husks, letters, ladders, and dream catchers. So I liked her blanket series because blankets hold a lot of meaning for all of us and I think that's like a good entry point. We all come into this world in a blanket and we all leave the world in a blanket and I think that's something that she says. Um, so I'm just kind of interested as in the blanket as an object that is sort of this thread through multiple demographics but also multiple phases of life. We enter the world as infants and we exit the world as hopefully old people but also they touch everybody like in the world everybody own or you know hope owns a blanket you know yeah and she was saying in the interview i saw saw of, of she's speaking about the work is when you are holding some of these bl uh, blankets you first of all you can see tradition there because so these blankets that she has or in the exhibitions are given to her, most of them. So you have like different stitches and knots and stuff like this. And she also said, I, if I'm not mistaken, that it's a tradition of her tribe to give a blanket to a member that has been there. So that has a lot of meaning in their lives. So the blankets, as you said, hold the memory of time and life in itself, but also holds a lot of tradition that she's trying to pres preserve in a way with her works. That's the conductor line I've seen in her practice is that she's really striving to keep her tradition and the indigenous people traditions alive. Yeah, I think she had she collected blankets that were donated to her from her local community. 
And that with the blankets being collected, stories were also being collected. She says that a lot of the emerging themes were themes of moving, homesteading, and immigrating. So sort of this like cross-continental object that is a blanket. And also since they're of her community, I think there's probably inherent tradition, traditional like customs being shared as well, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, it's just like an, it, if you think about, I mean, maybe it's an obvious thing, but the blanket is woven. And so it's it's kind of showing this weaving of narratives and weaving of stories and sort of this intermixing of people, um, fibers of people, a fiber of a blanket itself is all this sort of melting's the wrong word, but like weaving together. Yeah, I don't think that's uh, simple uh, at all because that's, as I said, that's one of the, the conductor lines of, of her work is that she is bridging communities. She's creating communities and her work is that is a literal representation of that from material to concept and fi finished result. I have an image of one of her works here that you picked, the stack of blankets. And actually that stack of blankets is connected with a narrative or a creation story. This is I took from an interview she gave. So basically she was trying to reach the sky with oh. these blankets. And so the interview featured her and her mother. And so her, her mother or, or the family refused assimilation. So basically the kids know English, but also know Seneca. So one thing they were saying is that what happens when there is assimilation or assimilation of a culture is that the, the oral stories sometimes it's difficult to pass down because if the kids only know English and not the original tongue, it can be difficult to translate. But she was saying that, fortunately, these creations and these stories kept flowing through her family. And so basically, there is, I will say legend, but I think it's not the, the right name. It's just for the, the mean of it. So she, she uses the Turtle Island. Is that what we consider North America? But for some tribes is Turtle Island. And it represents the planet Earth. And it's an integral part of our creation story. So there is a lot of different ways of telling this creation story. But basically, sky women lived in the sky on an island. And one time, a beautiful tree fell over and made a big hole in the ground. So sky woman man walks over to the hole and she looks down and she sees a world, a water. All of a sudden, she loses her balance. She's trying to grab on the roots on the, of the tree, but the only thing she got in her hands was dirt. She's going down and down and down. The birds fly beneath her, and just then a great turtle comes to the surface of the water, and the birds gently put her on the back of the turtle. She releases the dirt in her hands, and it multiplies. It just keeps growing and growing, until there is a large, large piece of land. We call it Turtle Island. That's the creation uh, story her pa parents gave her. So, sorry, this is just a, a side note. She basically, with this, this story, she questions the place uh, that's called uh, North America and how does that change our relation to this place, calling it Turtle Island. So how does it invite us to steward 
this place in a different way that maybe we have treated it before. I love that you read that. It was, it's great imagery. I'm, I'm just thinking about the dirt on her hands. I don't know why that's sticking out to me so much, but like the multiplying dirt. And I love the imagery of when I think of just Turtle Island, I just think of Earth as a turtle. Like it's got the round dome of it, the domed back. I don't know. There's something kind of warm about the story. It's very like comforting almost. And then I'm thinking about blankets, how blankets are comforting and like stories, blankets. These are both things that we need to feel safe in society. We need stories. We need blankets. We need warmth. Yeah, it was lovely. <laughs> and, and also it speaks about our shared stories and our shared communities, something that it, some have lost. And it speaks of its importance, like you and I, we are not for the Sneka Nation, of course, but we related and we felt felt the power of this small crea creation story. And she, she bases a lot of her work on this, on these oral stories, even when she, I think she's weaving some of the her work, you can see that she's connecting it to these narratives, let's say these narratives. And... As I said, it speaks about the importance of keeping traditions alive because it connects us all, even if you think it's just a story. But stories is what keeps us together. Yeah, when I entered the show for her in Herbert F. Johnson Museum, they have like vinyl text on the wall to like explain yeah. sometimes. Well, they had a quote from, I think, a Klamath elder of hers that said my story changes when I know your story I thought that was such an inclusive quote because it's so true like everybody's story is impacted by everybody's story and knowing another story is like another layer of like empathy so I like Marie Watt because she's a connector she wants to yep. connect people and I think that's why I really respond to her work there's not divisiveness in her work it's very like come in come in the welcome here's tea it's very inviting i think that's what she's trying to do with her work it's it's warm it's traditional in a way and but not in a bad sense in traditional when i mean traditional and i think it connects people because even if you have a very different story from hers and the people she's representing you can connect because you had a hopefully you had a grandmother. You heard stories that she told. You had hopefully blankets and family around and traditions that were passed down. So when I haven't seen her work personally, unfortunately, but I've seen some of her videos of her exhibition and the current exhibition, and it is warming to. It seems warming when you walk in and the materials are so traditional so usual it's blankets is uh, metal and used materials i think neon also she has some plagues with neon and what you said in the beginning it's not illustrations what it's um... oh printmaking print yeah, yeah printmaking yes i actually haven't looked at a lot of her print work but i read that she has a really extensive amount of printmaking. And I have seen a couple prints and I really, I really do enjoy them. But I really liked the most when I went to the show was this plaid blue blanket yeah. that's sewn. There's sort of like 
two blankets with like fringe on the right side of both of them and there's like this really intricate it's I don't know it's kind of her own dog like it's kind of a mix between a dog and like a wolf and like a coyote almost like it's it, um isn't it's it like a really stylized dog is not the story of creation you know the wolf that fed to to I'm I'm not sure it's just because because of the the drawing it does resemble that yeah and she also chose to make it a mother dog it's kind of clear so like maybe it's a comment on maternal figures and how maternal figures are very much the glue of community um and there's also these um tiny spaceships which i really enjoyed looking up close um there's like little moons and like tiny <laughs> I guess that's like a, a nod to the sky because I'm really I didn't know that like sky aspect of it of her work and that now that's kind of intriguing me how like the blankets are like built to like reach the sky, but that makes sense now when I'm looking at like the little cosmos details. Yeah, and sort of like it's like a bigger picture, like a literally like a thirty thousand foot view kind of idea. Yeah, that I just really like. There's sort of an illustration quality to her work. It's really charming and also to to embroider something by hand that big is really difficult to even make any kind of representational image like it's you got to stand back constantly like I know when I'm painting something big it takes like a lot of looking back like stepping away yeah. from it you know it's difficult I I'm not sure if she if she works alone or she has assistants I wouldn't be surprised if she had assistance because a lot of her work's pretty large scale. Yeah. But, you know, regardless of the work, it, it takes quite a bit of skill. And a lot of patience. I think yes. also one of the things that uh, about her work is, is the labor that she puts in. And <laughs> for me, I actually uh, spoke about this on an interview I did on Monday, I believe, is that artworks normally hold a, an identity hold that the time that the artist spent with the artwork i know this is very spiritual but it's it's true and but no, it's true the way she she's so connected with labor she spends a lot of hours with small needles doing this type of work and the community that she's around she is holding she's holding that labor she's holding that space she's holding memories narratives and time and so it gives even work more layers than just the ones we see at, at first glance yeah holding space for other stories is is an interesting thought i think you're you're devoting yourself to something you think that's important and that's special yeah so you want to talk about the many west artist shape an america idea the exhibition yeah What I like about her works is there's like a real vision for the like, like you could actually like track like a story that makes sense in like from one project to the other like they 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 converse with each other. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a project by so I'll just read like a brief statement about it. It says the the exhibition Many Wests Artist Shape An American Idea examines the perspectives of 48 modern and contemporary artists who offer a broader, more inclusive view of the region. And it kind of goes back to that refuting 
assimilation idea. So it's expanding on the Eurocentric story of the American West, which was, you know, there before <laughs> colonization. Colonizes, I always struggle with that word. But I like this project because growing up as a kid in America, we only get like the white point of view yeah. and like introducing people of different backgrounds, their point of view in the region, it really gives a full picture of the American West or just the West. And I think it's important because having all these backgrounds and perspectives, I think it's it's kind of interesting. When you're known for being a specific race, you kind of get projected a narrative onto you. Like, if you're this, you must think this way. And it happens across all races, no matter what. So if there's more voices, more and more and more, then it shows that you can't have a narrative projected onto you because you're individual, you know? So yeah. I like having... I mean, obviously there's going to be special things about every race and whatever but like i think it's important to keep adding voices to the the pot because it, sh it shows that we all have our own stories and we can't then it'll kind of resist any narrative put on to us and i think that's something to strive for i don't think we're there yet in america i think you know obviously there's a lot of work but I think this is a really great step to show all these voices in the region. Yeah, it connects with uh, the work of Im Imani uh, uh, Jacqueline, I think it's the last name, mm -hmm. that we yeah. talked previously. Like, you cannot erase history out of, of the history books. There is an importance into having the diverse voices, diverse narratives, diverse backgrounds. It enriches the, fa the fabric of identity. And when I was reading about this story that I, I, I told before and how indigenous people were connected way before Westerns connected, because I don't, I think it's Pennsylvania, if I'm not, I'm not mistaken, but basically there is a meteorite that falls on that space. And so the Western view of it is supposed that there wasn't a view of it, but it was first, first of all, the indigenous people who hold it. This, this walk and these narratives, and then they were pushed away and the Western views took over. But when I understood that there was a backstory, he, he actually he spread it like in layers. Imagine like a, a fluffy thing when you push your hands and it, it expands for, uh, forward. It, it, I felt like that, like, okay, I know something more. The narrative is not linear there is other stories coming in yeah i think it's very multifaceted it's really unique like the united states is a very unique area because it's just so much it's just so many mixing of of voices and views in like a really compressed time frame so there's bound to be challenges with that yeah but I like this. So this project is split up into like three different themes. I kind of wanted to just brush over the themes. The, so it's caretakers, memory makers, and boundary breakers. So maybe we could start with caretakers. It examines how artists can redefine what it means to take care of themselves, their communities, and their futures. And it says through their work, the artist's work, these artists demonstrate a commitment to the stewardship of land, 
history, language, and culture. They draw upon personal narratives, communal ties, and collective experience in the American West. So I like these themes that it's divided up into, and that starts with care. So why were you so interested in this exhibition particularly particular and why did it connect it with you this that there is three teams and the first is caretakers i like that it started with care because i think there's an instinct to sort of like say you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong when we're like trying to come together on things like it's sort of accusative in a lot of conversations So I think it like lays down a foundation before the conversation of like, hey, we're starting with care for each other. And like, let's try to move through this knowing our foundation is care. So I I really responded to that. And then like the, the second themes, Memory Makers, explores how artists act as transmitters of culture memory. It builds on the care because... We're caring for each other's memories. We're respecting the past and that this is like the next step. We're carrying our past with us with care. And this is how we move forward to the future. And then Boundary Breakers, it says it highlights artists that unsettle common beliefs that inform a popular understanding of the American West. So then like we we're working, we're building on these two blocks of foundation And now it's like ready to change the narrative. So I like that it's sort of a a gentle progression into change instead of, hey, think this way because we think we're right. It just kind of goes back to this warm blanket. It's like she's always part of these projects or contributing to the art world in like a very warm, thoughtful careful care caring way yeah and I just I just think it's a good example of how like she she would make a good politician because she knows <laughs> humans she's a good human so I think this way of communicating with people is really effective yeah it goes back to the, the idea of caretakers when you come in the room with care in your mind you disarm the people around <laughs> you in a good way and i think she does that especially strongly she does that really really well because when as i said she could be a politician because she disarms people her work disarms any need to bring egos to the table Just people trying to understand and connect with traditional ways of life and indigenous traditions or reformulate and question Western ideas or ideas that were rooted into us by our own families. But she does that in a very beautiful way. The way this exhibition is developed and structured Beginning with care, you disarm people, and then you remind people that artists have a very, very strong place in society, even if people don't notice. Notice because it's we artists go to the to the outskirts of cities where most of times is the most abandoned, where there is no culture, and we bring. I think we talked about this before. They bring culture in. And the place is transformed. 
And after that, they have to move because the prices go go up and all of that. <laughs> but it's it's like they are always on the outskirts of everything, but they are very important. It's like they are the not the gatekeepers, but they they hold so much in them that is like the legend legend of the dirt in the water mm -hmm. and that everything flourish is like that. You bring culture in, you bring artists in, and life flourish and people can go to these places. Yeah, like artists are like little water carriers. They like <laughs> carry the water for life and then they like sprinkle it and then then they move on to their next location. They're like little little mini rivers constantly <laughs> flowing around cities. <laughs> yeah, and then at the end of the exhibition is telling us that Artists can have a mother figure, let's say like this, with care, but they can also mm -hmm. tell you things straight straight up and in your face. Like if you are mm -hmm. not seeing something happening in the society you are in and you, you refuse to open your eyes, artists will find a way to make you understand there is work that I, th I think you are like, I think you are like that too. There is, we are very open. We are artists. We are we thrive on being open to creativity and new ideas, but there is wo work that we st step in the room with that work and it opens new pathways and we are not even aware of that. We are aware because we feel it. It's like the hair going up, mm -hmm. but we don't understand why is this happening. And when mm -hmm. artists do this, for me, it's just, it's unbelievable. It makes me, <laughs> it makes mm -hmm. me so, so emotional and so hopeful for, for the art community and what art can bring to the table. Yeah, art, it, it doesn't file into buckets or categories. It's so, I like to compare art to nature. Like it's so creative. Its solutions are never going to be what you think it'll be. Like, and I think even the artistic process itself is obviously a journey, but it's never what you think it is in your head. Like you have to go on that journey to find what's revealed to you and that revealing is kind of the hope you were talking about you didn't even know that's what was there but it, it's uncovered by the process yeah do you want to talk a bit about your anecdote yeah i mean it was kind of a starting off point like i personally was working with like mountain scenes when i was uh, undergrad and i was kind of accused of it as being a manifest destiny, which is sort of, not sort of, but it's like a, a concept that uh, promoted colonization West. And that was like, not what I was <laughs> making mountain scenes for. I was painting them from an ultra runner's perspective. I painted these huge mountains to sort of show the confrontation of nature. But it goes back to like, if there's so many voices in the stew of, of perspectives, then you won't have narratives projected onto you because you have a bigger picture of, in this case, the American West. So it applies to all backgrounds and races. Like I can't speak for other races, but I'm sure there's narratives projected on to them that they're like either tired of or don't relate to. So I just wanted to bring up this antidote because like, even if it looks like something, it might not actually be that. And I think the solution for that is just more voices, more voices.
Yeah, because then people look at you as an individual and not mm -hmm. amalgam of identities. Because, because right, yeah. Ma Ma Marie, Marie works, is like that. She's talking about the community. She's talking about bring, bringing traditions again or still remembering traditions. But she's talking about individual people too. She right. doesn't want, or she seems she doesn't want people to be categorized. Mm -hmm. um, right. As, as you were an American point of view where you were painting <laughs> what you felt. And also maybe as you didn't notice, some people, and I've seen this, people do it, do things out of lack of information. They don't do it because they mean any harm. And sure. I think people have to, I'm not saying what people ha need to do, but some care needs to to be put on the soup, you know, because some people do, are not doing it out of wanting to step on any traditions. They just don't have that information. And maybe they would <laughs> be able to uh, connect with, with that information if they weren't so afraid that they would be called out or shouted. Yeah. To. And I think that's important to, first of all, when we are creating work as artists like this, even if it is our own traditions, be very careful the way we sure. put it yeah. out. But also we are raising awareness to an issue that is not related to our own community, but is something that we feel very strongly to try to find a lot of information and speak about our own experience, but having it on a knowledge base, talking from knowledge and not talking mm -hmm. so much from experience to be more careful and understand other other perspectives. Of course, absolutely. So, do you want to add anything else to Marie's art work? Anything you you want to say? No, I would like to see her explore more objects. Like I loved how she really dove into and extrapolated the blanket. Not extrapolated, but like really thoroughly investigated the blanket and how it connects people. I think she did it so well. So I just, I'd be really curious how she views other objects through art and how she like processes other objects. So I think it would really bring to light a lot of really interesting insight. Yeah, I agree with that. And she has such an extensive body of work. What I felt when I, I started delving to a work, I was completely overwhelmed. I thought, oh my God, where am I going to start? Because there's so many things and so many legends connected. I don't like the word legends. Yeah, these, I know what you mean. These narratives, these traditional <laughs> narratives that she has in her work and with that she creates a body of work. And so it, it pans out so, so far away in distance <laughs> that I feel that sometimes it's difficult to feel all over practice as a whole. But when you go individually to each piece or collection of work, it, it really speaks to you, as we mentioned before. And yeah, I would love to see more of her work, more collaborations that she might have been doing and see how she would, I don't know if she has work like this, maybe she does, so I might be speaking out of turn, but how she is engaging with communities outside of her own to the, the rest of the public besides her work, you know, if she's doing workshops or talks or stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to consolidate such a prolific artist, but I think when you focus more acutely, you realize that 
common themes are in all of the works, so you always get a good picture of the artist no matter what. Yeah, so I think that's the wrap-up for today's episode. So I hope you guys enjoyed this dive into the world of Mahi Yat's art. So an ability to, to blend tradition with contemporary themes and engage communities through a work is actually truly inspiring for us as artists. So if her work resonated with you, use the hashtag that we normally <laughs> say and add Mari Yat near it. I will leave it on the show notes and reach out on social media so we can have a conversation about the work. And if you want to see more of her work, be sure to check out the show notes for links to her exhibition and galleries. And don't forget to subscribe <laughs> to Insights of an Echo Artist so you never miss an episode. And reach out to us if you have any questions, any comments or suggestions for future artists. I think me and Chen are totally open to that. And as always, we would love to, to have a conversation about this podcast. It's not a, a finite venue, so if you guys have any thoughts or ideas or any concept that popped in and you would love to talk more about it, I, me and Shannon are totally open to have a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. Yes, we always love to hear from you. Yeah, so thank you guys. Bye. <laughs> thank you. Bye. <laughs>